May has been designated Women in Pathology Month, and Behind Our Science is celebrating with a special interview with Drs. Mindy, Amy, and Kristen Engevik. We discuss family, sisterhood, being women in academia, maintaining grit and resiliency as you develop your career, and of course, Fluorescent Friday, for which these Engevik scientists are well known. Stay tuned at the end of the episode for special instructions on how to win Behind Our Science podcast swag and gift cards to Dunkin' Donuts. All right, so thank you so much for being part of Behind Our Science. Um, this is a special feature because we actually get to interview the Angevic Empire, which is like the most clever hashtag I have ever seen. <laughs> so I'm very jealous. <laughs> um, also, you guys are big sharers on Fluorescent Friday, which is a really fun like um, hashtag and tweet series on Twitter to see these beautiful images that are really hard to get as it turns out because I have had my fair share of IFs not look that nice. So <laughs> very impressive all around. So thank you all so much for coming. Um, so to start off, I figured it'd be nice if you um, wanted to introduce yourselves and maybe say your favorite cell or protein to stain for, and then we can sort of get the interview started. Um, I'll go first. This is Mindy. I'm uh, the eldest, and I definitely love staining mucus. For a while, I thought about having my Twitter handle be Mucus Mindy, um, but I ended up going for Micro Mindy because also, you know, microbes are also a wonderful thing to stain as well. Okay, I'll go next. I'm Amy, and it's really hard because I love immunofluorescence. It's what I do, I think, the most for my research. And there's so many good proteins out there, but I think probably gamma actin, which makes up the brush border in the intestine, is probably the prettiest thing. So that's my favorite one. Man, these are really great ones. So I'm Kristen. I'm the youngest. And I believe, oh, there's a lot of really great ones. I also really like mucus, like Mindy. So. I, I am a little partial for that. Though recently uh, we've been able to kind of stain for some of our mouse slides where we have rotavirus infected cells. And so those are my new favorite is staining for rotavirus infection and being able to see where they are along the villi of the intestine. So that's currently what I love to stain at the moment. Um, so it. who is the funny one? Amy. Oh, I was going to say Kristen. I was going to say, I'm witty. No. <laughs> I am a delight, but yeah. I'm a little biased. <laughs> we all yeah. have our moments. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so my sister, this came from uh, growing up. My sister said that my brother was the pretty one. I am the smart <laughs> one and she is the funny one. So that was like, <laughs> the nice. Yeah, so I guess it was a little too internal of a joke. My bad. <laughs> Um, so, who is the most outgoing of the group? Oh, oh Mindy. Mindy. Yeah. I, <laughs> There's no doubt about that. I can't yeah. help myself. I love people. I love being around people. Amy sometimes is like, Mindy, do you need to be talking to that person still? You need to like move on and focus on your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so fun being around people. Yeah, no, I, it definitely is fun, but I, I'm definitely more of an Amy, I guess. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I'm a complete I'm introvert. <laughs> 
I like to think I'm in the perfect middle, but then also I really love Mindy's extrovertness because then at conferences, you just kind of like tag behind Mindy and then you start meeting people because of that. And you're like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, I could, I could do this too. I can never. Yeah, no, that's smart. I need like, I need to find that outgoing person to be like, right here, to Mindy. Yeah. <laughs> you find Mindy and you just follow her around for like a few yeah. sessions and then you branch out. Um, so who is the most resourceful or like DIYer of the group? Also Mindy. Yeah. I do like trying things out and I'm also kind of inherently cheap. That sounds terrible, but like, <laughs> I don't want to spend my, my, my money. And so I want to be able to, if there's something I can do, like if I can use the 3d printer to make something to sort out pipette tips so that I don't have to buy them pre-wrapped, I will. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Yeah. Minnie's also good. been the really creative creative one growing up I always remember like going to Minnie because she'd make the coolest things like you give her some paper mache and she can just make the coolest like the coolest little like helmets or things like that so Minnie's always been very creative nice yeah, adds to her craftiness right yeah I can tell by the earrings it's like the outgoing earrings <laughs> and they kind of look crafty I'm like okay yeah I see it I feel those vibes <laughs> yeah um, all right, so for each of you, what's one food that you cannot live without since you've experienced the whole, or maybe not the full breadth of the American diet, but the majority of it? We can start with Mindy, because she's the oldest. <laughs> I love ice cream. I know it's not a real food group, it's a dessert group, but I cannot live with ice cream. I eat ice cream every single day. And like right now I'm dying for some ice cream. I was just thinking I should have put some in my minus 20, but whatever. <laughs> I was actually gonna say ice cream too. We grew up eating a lot of ice cream. My dad would come home from work and he would eat a half gallon of Briar's Mint Chocolate Chip. And I think we inherited that from him. I think so, yeah. Okay, all right, so we're a good ice cream connoisseur group. All right. Well, if you guys are ever in, in Indianapolis, there's this ice cream place called Lick and Ooh. it's like an artisan ice cream shop. And she makes really fun flavors um, like lemon, lavender and um, lemon Ooh. ginger snap but my favorite one is rose water pistachio brittle it's like super good that sounds awesome yeah it's it's affecting like a lot of my waistline but that's fine also, it's, like, <laughs> you know you need like, the expensive. comfort foods it's good comfort you know mm -hmm. you be warm in the winter yeah <laughs> right? <laughs> right. while you eat ice cream in the winter you know it's just it just works it works all yeah. around yeah well if you're outside in the winter eating ice cream it doesn't melt so it's like yeah know, that's nice <laughs> yeah <laughs> what are some challenges that you've faced working closely together since we we've heard like it's generally good but i also have a sister so i know that there's a little bickering that can happen so what are some challenges that y'all face well one of my favorite challenges was i'll tell mindy not to do something and then she just goes and does it anyway <laughs> I try to help her, help herself, and she just ignores my advice every time. Well, it's always things like, Mindy, focus on this project and don't do the other ones. And then I'm like, but I found time at like three, three in the morning to go do that thing. So I did it anyway. Um, it's a struggle. It's a real struggle. Mm. But more seriously, I think sometimes since we all have the last same last name and it's pretty unique is that They'll think someone, one of us has done, you know, applying for a grant, I got dinged because they thought I was Mindy. 
because they thought, you know, for my F32 that I'd already done intestine because I did my, my PhD in stomach. And so writing my F32 was all on intestine. So I was saying it was a new field. And they're like, you've actually published on intestine a lot. And I was like, no, I haven't. I've never been on one. So those kind of things when we get confused for each other or like Kristen, you know, they assume Kristen knows how to do something because Mindy or I know how to do something. And so for her training, sometimes it can get complicated. But I think it's usually kind of a minor thing, whereas we really benefit from being sisters and from having the same last name. Probably 95% of the time it's a big plus and then 5% is a small detractor. Yeah. A lot of people think I do virology and if that's first, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, really, I, def- I do a ton of stuff with coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The misidentification where like, oh, well, you were, you clearly are like, these are all your papers. I'm like, no, those are, I'm like, I'm on, I'm on some of Mindy's papers from my undergrad research. And then also from our collaborating when I started here as a postdoc. And then I'm on some papers with Amy, but I'm not her. I'm, I'm the third one. I'm the last. I'm, <laughs> I don't know how to do like oozing chambers and like, I don't know as much about microbiome because I am not Mindy and like, I know mucus, but not as well as Mindy. So <laughs> yeah, the comparison sometimes doesn't help, but you know, yeah. or then the miss I, when we, I get, sometimes we'll get min, like emails for Mindy or Amy sent to mine when they're meant instead for, for them and like mm-hmm. vice versa. So it's, That's it's usually like- more funny than anything else, but. <laughs> Very minor, minor inconveniences. All right. Well, it sounds like it's like we should all aim to have sisters in science. <laughs> Everyone should. It's oh, really yeah. helpful. Yeah, it's I, the for grants when you're like, you know, okay, Kristen, I need you to edit this, and then I need you to send it to Amy so that she can edit it, and then send it back to me, and then it'll be like, you know, they'll have at least three people have read it and edited it and made sure that I didn't say something stupid or spell something wrong or, you know, forget some words in the middle of my sentence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds phenomenal. I, so my sister's more in creative field, creative writing kind of stuff. So whenever she watches my presentations, she's like, I finally learned what a mast cell is. And I was like, hey, <laughs> it's only been That's like great. four years. <laughs> where a lot of people are complaining about doing IF on paraffin embedded tissues. (laughs) Have you guys done that? And what is like the biggest hack or trick that helped you master doing this? I think the biggest one, since I do the most immunofluorescence only to this question. So I think the best advice I give anyone for IF, and I screen almost, I prefer paraffin embedded tissue, honestly, other than, you know, flat cells, which are the easiest, but second to that, Paraffin embedded tissue is really my bread and butter of my lab. So the best advice is to find good antibodies. And second second is to make sure you do a good job fixing your tissue. So a lot of people overfix or they'll use harsh fixatives. I know certain fixatives are required depending on the MIDI looks at a lot of mucus. So you need carnoid fixatives usually for like an intact mucus layer. But I like formalin fixed tissue and I prefer, I do a lot of intestines, so I fix it overnight at four degrees with shaking for 20, so for about 16 hours for, and then just antibodies, like your, no matter how great your tissue is and how great your staining procedure is, if you don't have good antibodies, it doesn't really matter. All right. So the antibodies, the cutthroat, like the game changer. Yeah. All right. I mean, there's, it's hard because immunofluorescence, there's so many steps. Yeah. So like antigen <laughs> retrieval is probably the third most important step, I think. 
Yes, it's like every step is important, but like if you had to stratify. (laughs) The most are those antibodies. Find good antibodies. And it's hard because, you know, you've got to, it takes a lot of work to find those good antibodies. Like looking through the literature, seeing what people have used previously, and then looking at company websites, which which, which of their stains look the best. And sometimes they look terrible and they work out great in your own lab, but... Here's a great tip though. Amy has published all the catalog numbers for all the antibodies that she loves in her papers. So if anyone has a question, yeah, then- let me write it down. <laughs> <laughs> and I just sent Kristen a list of my favorite antibodies. So yeah, I was like, did. oh, she's like solid gold, Kristen. You don't know how many years of work this is. <laughs> but I'm happy to share. Like, if you want any antibodies. Oh, heck yeah, totally. Interested in saving the intestines. I'll send yeah, you my I, list yeah. of favorite antibodies. Yeah, antibodies are just, it's hard. So my lab is pretty preferential to cell signaling. You know, like individualized hard work is like different for each person. So what would you say from each of you? Like what was the hardest learned lesson or like the biggest takeaway from your career to where it is right now? I think it's important to choose good mentors in a PhD and as a postdoc. But even if you don't choose good mentors, you can still do it. Like, it's just, I think, harder. But I, you know, I recommend if people are not super happy with the, the lab that they're in right now or the mentoring situation, to go search for mentors outside of your lab and to find some people that will be sponsors for you and that will help get you the information you need to get. It's hard when you don't know what you don't know. And if nobody's telling you that you should apply for these awards or these grants and they're not encouraging you, it can be really challenging to feel like you're progressing and moving forward. So. Um, I really recommend that people seek out mentors that will really help them at where they're at. You want to go next? Oh, I was gonna. I was hoping we we're gonna do the order because I'm not. Okay. Like, Mindy kind of <laughs> took part of mine, so I have to. I have to rethink what I was gonna say. Okay, I'll go next then as the second child. I think you should make your career what you want it to be. I think it's so easy in science to compare it to other people and to go by other people's standards of what your career should look like and how fast you should go for your PhD. You know, it's so arbitrary because different institutes have different timelines, different requirements, and then postdocs are so nebulous. It's hard to know when you're done, when you're ready. So I think, you know, it's, it's so easy, especially with Twitter, to look at other people and see just their success and not all the hard work and the rejections that got you to that place. So it's important to to make your career what you want it to be and not to go by someone else's standard of what they think you should be and hitting their checkpoints and continue to make your own and make sure that you're happy and and content with what you're doing and the speed at which you're doing it. Because, you know, everyone's timeline is completely different. And I think it's really changes a lot for women, especially none of us have children. But if you have kids, you know, you have to reprioritize certain things and that might make you have a longer PhD than you were planning on, which is totally fine. And not to rush certain aspects of your training. Oh, these are all really good. And now I'm not, okay, let me think. <laughs> so I guess so I do, like mentoring is extremely important and then obviously not comparing yourself to others. And like, while I have been really um, blessed by having two sisters to support me, I also feel like during like grad school, since when I started, Mindy had already finished her PhD, was down at Texas. Amy, in my first year, finished and defended her PhD and then was down, um, did her postdoc down in Vanderbilt in Nashville. But I think one thing that definitely did help since I had about four years without them for my fun PhD was having a really like finding a good support network, whether it's within the graduate school itself or also I kind of did different volunteering opportunities outside of 
the university so that I could go and meet more people and have a better support network so that I would have a bit more of a balance, but also people who could support me when I was going through really stressful times and going through the the ups and downs of graduate school. And then I, and finding those support groups, but also then going and finding the opportunities that you think you like, you need to kind of pursue. So I joined things like writing accountability groups, which I had never heard before and still until someone told me about it as an option that I could meet with other grad students throughout the different schools, learn a little bit about what they do, but also get like um, a good support group and also accountability to start writing and de- taking more time to write those manuscripts or your thesis. And so pursuing opportunities and trying to find them if within like and using the resources that are available for you because there's a lot of resources at most universities it's just whether or not you you know about them or find them so it's support and then also kind of utilizing the resources that are given to you yeah those are all really great um takeaways definitely something that i am learning right now as i'm trying to finish um yeah, the writing resource or the writing accountability group, there's there's one here. You should go for what you really, really want, no matter how hard or difficult it is. And then you can always change. Like if life circumstances don't work out or you decide you need more time with work-life balance, you can always veer off. But if you don't shoot for that one, I think you'll always wonder. And mm-hmm. Mindy and I got told this all the time during grad school and even during my postdoc that, you know, it's never going to work out. You'll never get a PI position at the same institute, no matter what. You'll have to start alone and then come together. And we actually got two offers to be at the same institute. And so I think you you have to have a lot of tenacity and you have to have a lot of resilience. But you should go. For, if that's what you think you want to do, you can always change your mind later. If you start down that path, you can always go into industry or science policy. But academia is kind of a one-way track, I think, sometimes. That if you don't start down that path, it's hard to veer into it. Mm-hmm. So I think you should, I mean, Vic, you seem like you're very smart, motivated. You can totally do it. And also there's so many, there's always naysayers. Mm-hmm. And no matter what you, you know, there's they're always going to be around. And I think that women are more susceptible to it. And we're always, I think women in science, especially, they don't apply for grants because they don't think they're ready. Whereas a man would be like, well, who cares? I'm just going to apply for it. And so Mindy and I also went that. I don't think we were quite ready to apply for faculty jobs, but we just said, why not? We'll find out, you know, it's not, there's round two next year. So mm-hmm. you should go, just, I personally think you should just go for it. And and I think it would probably work out. Well, thank you so much. I'm sorry. I, I feel bad because I like just turned it into like, hey, let's counsel me. No, not no. at all. That's <laughs> what women supporting women. Yeah. Right, Science yeah, no, supporting I'm, scientists. I'm just like, I'm astonished. I, like you guys are all very cool. So it was. This has been really nice. Thank you so much for being our guests, um, and then for talking to me about, you know, being a woman in science. <laughs> it's very tough sometimes. <laughs> like um, it's it, you. It's. I mean, I don't. I'm sure you guys are. I don't know. I can't assume. Um, I was sure that I wouldn't face the same like discrimination or microaggressions or things like that Dr. Francis, my PI faced as she was like a woman in science. And it's funny, the exact same stuff is happening, but there's like a 10, 15 year difference between our degrees. And it's, it's a little sad, but it's, it also, it's very motivating to like, try to stomp that out of the system, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
it's disappointing when you see these, especially the microaggressions where you're like, come on, you guys are now going through diversity training and like, you know, obviously like you guys are seeing the statistics and you know, why can't we all come together to address this? It's really disappointing, um, but yeah. It also, you have to have grit though, right? You gotta be like, well, when I'm in power, I'm gonna make sure that this doesn't happen. <laughs> We're gonna help be a force for good, right? And try to change. Yeah, and change takes time, and that's hard, especially since we're not most the most patient of people sometimes. But it it just takes time, and things are getting better, whether or not it looks like it. Yeah, and I think every institution is a little different. Our graduate institution was honestly quite bad about sexism. So, and I, and I think departmentally, it's also variable, but Vanderbilt was phenomenal for my postdoc. It was so refreshing being an institute that really supported women and wanted them to succeed. And MUSC has been really great so far. And I do think the climate for women is changing and I think it's slow. And I think we'll always have a few more, we'll have more difficulties than our male counterparts. But I think that helps make us a little more resilient. And I, I honestly think that it makes us better scientists. You know, the criticisms I got during my PhD were sometimes outrageous, but they really taught me to have a thick skin and not to let things get to me. As much as I hated having those things said to me, I, I'm, I'm honestly a better scientist because of it, because I don't let criticism of any kind really affect me, especially when it's unwarranted. I think I, I can now differentiate a little bit more what is valid versus invalid criticism. And that's helpful to learn. Yeah, for sure. I that I mean, def developing a thick skin is really important. But it, yeah, but it also sucks that it has to happen. Yeah, definitely forget but the should we have to yeah. develop oh. such a thick skin as females? I don't know that we should, but we do. <laughs> Amy's favorite statement is that to be in this like considered equals, women have to be three to five times better than any man. Like our CV has to be amazing for us to be like oh you're almost as good as the guy who has you know half the papers no grant funding and <laughs> that's a little disappointing but hopefully it'll change yeah no I, I mean yes hopefully it'll change but it is very disappointing as well <laughs> i guess now we can start talking about some fluorescent friday stuff like the good juicy stuff i mean being sisters in science is probably the juiciest but this is like probably broader audience. Um, so what is your favorite or who is your favorite antibody manufacturer? Well, I probably do the most fluorescent, so I'll answer this. My <laughs> new favorite is actually a Texas company. It's called Genetex, uh -huh. G-E-N-E-T-X. And I bought $6,000 worth of antibodies from them recently. And I think every single antibody I tried except for one worked. And I have never had that from any company. And the close second is probably Novus Biologicals. It's pretty good. I don't discriminate against <laughs> <laughs> So I, I tend to buy from all over. You know, I always look at what their images look like that they have, you know, to see if I think that looks like real clean staining. But um, yeah, I shop around. Yeah, we do too. I just, I you guys are all about that fluorescent friday so i figured there yeah. might be like some some like <laughs> I also, magical corporation sorry yeah, i also like oh no i also like cell signaling technology they have some pretty good ones as well 
Um, granted, usually when I want to try a new antibody, I sometimes will just go to Amy and ask her what she's tried for these targets so that I can use her optimization <laughs> yes. to make sure it works. Yeah. But <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, I think like the hardest thing at, for I guess for me whenever I do stains is like trying to troubleshoot my stains. Um, all right, thank you guys so much. I think that, I mean, I thought that this was a great conversation, so I appreciate your time. And I know it's a little uh, earlier in Houston, but um, I'll I was hoping to try to get this wrapped up so you guys could get home at a decent hour before the sun went down. All right, well, thank you guys so much, and I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And um, I guess, happy Fluorescent Friday. I don't know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Bye. Have a good night. The Histochemical Society is happy to present two funding opportunities that have recently opened. If you use any immunohistochemical or fluorescent assays in your studies, please visit their website for more details and to apply at histochemicalsociety.org. Thank you for listening in on our Women in Pathology episode, where we interviewed the Angevic sisters and discussed being sisters and women in academia and Fluorescent Friday. Do you have a favorite women in pathology? Tweet at Behind Our Science and use the Women in Path hashtag in order to be entered to win a gift card for Dunkin' Donuts and Behind Our Science swag.